scripture reading is found in Proverbs chapter 4. I ask you to turn there with me. Proverbs chapter 4. Don't have a Bible of your own. Our ushers do have Bibles available. If you raise your hand right now, they'll bring one to you. We'll be reading Proverbs chapter 4 in its entirety. Let's all stand in respect to the reading then of God's holy word. Proverbs 4, the word of God says, Hear, O sons, a father's instruction, and be attentive that you may gain insight. For I give you good precepts. Do not forsake my teaching. When I was a son with my father, tender, the only one in the sight of my mother, he taught me and said to me, Let your heart hold fast my words. Keep my commandments and live. Get wisdom. Get insight. Do not forget. And do not turn away from the words of my mouth. Do not forsake her, and she will keep you. Love her, and she will guard you. The beginning of wisdom is this. Get wisdom, and whatever you get, get insight. Prize her highly, and she will exalt you. She will honor you if you embrace her. She will place on your head a graceful garland. She will bestow on you a beautiful crown. Hear, my son, and accept my words, that the years of your life may be many. I have taught you the way of wisdom. I have led you in the paths of uprightness. When you walk, your step will not be hampered. And if you run, you will not stumble. Keep hold of instruction. Do not let go. Guard her, for she is your life. Do not enter the path of the wicked, and do not walk in the way of the evil. Avoid it. Do not go on it. Turn away from it and pass on. For they cannot sleep unless they have done wrong. They are robbed of sleep unless they have made someone stumble. For they eat the bread of wickedness and drink the wine of violence. But the path of the righteous is like the light of dawn, which shines brighter and brighter until full, full day. The way of the wicked is like deep darkness. They do not know over what they stumble. My son, be attentive to my words. Incline your ear to my sayings. Let them not escape from your sight. Keep them within your heart, for they are life to those who find them and healing to all their flesh. Keep your heart with all vigilance, for from it flows the springs of life. Put away from you crooked speech and put devious talk far from you. Let your eyes look directly forward and your gaze be straight before you. Ponder the path of your feet, then all your ways will be sure. Do not swerve to the right or to the left. Turn your foot away from evil. May God give us understanding in the word of God that is read before us today and the portion that we'll be preaching from this morning as we summarize the book of Proverbs and our study in Proverbs today. Let's bow now for a word of prayer. After prayer, the choir will come with special music and then the preaching of God's word. Father, we thank you for allowing us to be here today again on another Sunday. We thank you for each person that's a part of this ministry. We thank you for each one that's in attendance today. 
and we pray that you would bless the preaching of your word so that it would um, be a benefit to those who preach and those who hear your word. That we might be challenged and motivated to not be hearers only, but to be doers of your word. We pray for your word that's preached everywhere where it is preached. We pray for Gospel Fellowship of Sussex and Brian and Heidi as they go there today and preach. We pray that you would um, give him clarity in communicating your word and may it fall on ears with conviction and a willingness to receive and be blessed and motivated and challenged by it. And so, Lord, we, uh, we just thank you for the faithful um, instruments that you use to, to bring your word through. Lord, humbly we ask that you would use us today, you would bless us today, and we just thank you for your mercy to us um, as we preach your word, Lord, that we might walk in it and be good examples of it. Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Please be seated. Today I want to basically start a conclusion of our series through Proverbs by summarizing parts of, of Proverbs and what we should have been uh, receiving all along. So we read through Proverbs chapter 4. We understand what Proverbs is doing for us is preparing us for life and eternity. That's the same purpose and goals that parents have for their children. And we can see that father to son admonition in chapter 4. Um, and and that's, so that's what Proverbs is doing. It's teaching us, getting us ready for life and for eternity. God wants us to do both, right? He doesn't want us to be uh, foolish towards uh, uh, eternity and embracing all of life, but being foolish towards eternity. He doesn't want us being wise towards eternity and, and then foolish towards life. And, and it's interesting that much of the world thinks of us that way, thinks of believers that way, that, yeah, we, we, we put all our stake in, in eternity, but we know very little about what it means to live now. That should not be the case for believers. And Proverbs helps us to, to deal with uh, the, uh, the very important concerns of this life uh, so that we might honor God here and trust in him here in these things. That's displayed in, in several ways. When we got to chapter 10 through chapter 30, uh, we, we divide it into eight categories. I'll mention those categories now. One is the righteous and the wickedness. Wickedness, that was one category. Uh, and it's probably the most predominant uh, theme in that section. And in fact, I started with the most prominent and go through the ones that um, are not as prominent in terms of the number of verses given over to those topics. The second one will be the wise and the foolish. The third will be our communication has to do with how we speak, how we, how we talk to each other, how we relate to one another. Fourth would be our character, different aspects of our character. In fact, in that section, we looked at uh, Galatians 5 
and looks at the fruit of the Spirit as describing how our character as believers ought to be and how that's spoken of in Proverbs. The fifth category in that section was wealth and poverty, teaching us how to view uh, wealth, God's view of wealth or the view that we ought to have of wealth and of poverty, uh, giving us wisdom in those areas. Number six was discipline, something that is absolutely necessary in every, every person, every believer. Uh, needs to be disciplined in several ways. The seventh category was diligence and laziness. So we talked about the importance of applying ourselves in right areas in, in our lives. And then the, the uh, eighth and final category that we looked, at, we looked at was God's character. Proverbs teaches us much about life. It teaches us much about God and, and who he is and what he is like. And we gain wisdom by learning more about him. The biggest sin that we found that Proverbs speaks of is the sin of being unteachable. The sin of being unteachable. You can say it another way, it's just not listening. And we can see how important that is as we teach our children from a young age to listen. How many times does Proverbs start with listen? Listen, hear, my son, the instructions of the Father. Listen to what I'm telling you. Take heed. Uh, so he, he tells us over and over again to, to, to listen. And when we refuse to, to listen, uh, we become fools. And we act foolishly when we decide that we will no longer listen to what is right and what is wise. And so... Uh, we talked about how Proverbs uh, um, um, paints a portrait, a, a caricature, an exaggerated portrait of, of different characters, an exaggerated portrait of, of a foolish person, and an exaggerated port, uh, uh, picture of a wise person so that we might identify clearly uh, those two entities so that we would strive to be wise and stay away from what is foolish. We realize that um, we are not always acting in wise ways. Even believers, those who trust God, don't always act in proper ways. And so uh, the, the purpose of Proverbs then is to identify what wise ways look like and show us that so that we will steer that way and, and warn us when we're steering in a way that is not wise, that is foolish. So um, Proverbs, and when it speaks of wisdom and foolishness, is not just labeling people and, and leaving them there as if they cannot change. Proverbs is teaching us that those who trust in God need to be careful to consider their actions so that they model the right thing and that they gear and steer towards our righteousness and steer towards wisdom and be warned when they find themselves doing things that are not uh, wise and that, that are not uh, righteous. One of the big things in, in Proverbs, as we consider Proverbs, is what is wisdom? And that's what I want to talk about today as we summarize this whole section. What is wisdom? What does it mean to be wise? I think even amongst believers, if we're not careful, we, we get the wrong idea of what wisdom is. 
and we pursue the wrong thing when we are pursuing wisdom. Wisdom is not the mere attaining of knowledge. I say it that way because it includes attaining knowledge, but it's not the mere attaining of knowledge. I want you to turn uh, to James. James is actually a wisdom book in the New Testament. James 1, verse 21. Well, let's start at verse 19. James 1, 19. Do you have that? All right, some of you have it. Wait a minute for everybody to get it. James 1, 19. Everybody who have it, say amen. amen. All right. Know this, my beloved brothers. Now, notice who he's, he's speaking to. Believers, my beloved brothers. This is a wisdom book for believers. Know this. Let every person be quick to hear, slow to speak, and slow to anger. He's repeating the same theme of Proverbs. Listen, listen, pay attention. Don't ignore what God is saying. Be teachable, he's saying. Let every person be quick to hear, slow to speak, and slow to anger. Think about the reverse of that. Why are we all too often slow to hear instead of quick to hear? We close our ears at things. Why are we quick to speak instead of slow to speak? Why are we quick to anger? Because we have set our minds in a certain way, and we don't care what anybody else says. This is what we're going to do. He says, don't be like that, right? He says, don't be like that. Verse 20, for the anger of man does not produce the righteousness of God. Therefore, put away all filthiness and, and rampant wickedness, and receive with meekness the implanted word, which is able to save your souls. He's saying, in order to attain his wisdom, receive the word and receive it with the frame of mind of meekness. That you have something that God wants to teach you and you're ready to receive it. That's why we said in this series, have a pencil, have a piece of paper so that you can write down what God is saying to you. And you can, you, with meekness, you can take it in and, and, and refer back to it later on. But then he says this, this is kind of culminating, verse 22. But be doers of the word and not hearers only. He says, as you receive this word, don't just store it up as vain knowledge or empty knowledge. Don't just accumulate it in your mind and say that you know it. The purpose of learning, learning is important, but the purpose of learning is so that we will do. Be Doers, he says, of the word, and not hearers only, deceiving yourselves. He has, he has an, another bit on there. That when we know more than we do, we just deceived ourselves. When we know and don't do, we have deceived ourselves in thinking that we are acting wisely or thinking that we are wise, or thinking that we are following God, and to some degree thinking that we even know God. 
he says, be doers then. So the emphasis is on doing. Again, the greatest sin in Proverbs is being unteachable, and that is ignoring God's truth. In other words, hearing it, but not doing it. Hearing it, but not doing it. And he says this in James, be doers of the word and not hearers only. So what is wisdom? Wisdom is not just accumulation of knowledge. It is the practical living out of the truths of God's word in our everyday lives. And that's something that we all struggle and should be struggling to do. In other words, we should be striving to do and we find it difficult in so many different areas. Not impossible, but difficult. It's not an easy thing to do. It's something that we have to give attention to. It's something that we have to put great effort in. And so part of that effort is, in fact, yes, learning God's word, hearing God's word, and, and, and understanding it. But you know how I know when a person understands something? When they start doing it. When they do it. When they actually practice what it is. That, that's that's, that's the, the proof. That's the, the proof they say is in the pudding. That's how you can tell when you've got it. So often we say, yeah, I know, I know, I know. I hear you, I hear you, I hear you. But when you see a person actually putting it into practice, now you know that they've got it. One of the great experiences of being a parent is, is just working with my children and, and teaching them just, just the things of life, as Proverbs says, te teaching them about life and eternity. And, and you, you constantly look for signs. Are they understanding? Are they grasping? And, and it's not just do they get it up here, but if they truly get it up here, we know we'll see it in their actual living. Of course, they go through some, some ups and downs, and, 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 and so as a parent, we just, we're looking, we're praying that it will be shown, not in what they say, or just what they say, but in what they actually do. Proverbs keys on that, and I hope that you don't miss that. I want to look at a few things that bring that out. If this is not just a Proverbs thing, the whole Word of God is a wisdom book in a sense. And, and let's take a look at a few things in Matthew 7, verse 24. So this should tie Proverbs with the whole purpose of all of God's Word. And here we're going to see Jesus' own teaching. Matthew 7, verse 24. I'll give you a moment to turn there. If you found it or are at least trying to find it, say amen. amen. All right. Matthew 7, 24. Jesus is saying this. He says, everyone then who hears these words of mine and does them will be like a wise man who built his house on the rock. And the rain fell and the floods came and the winds blew and beat on that house, but it did not fall because it had been founded on the rock. Don't you love the way Jesus teaches? He teaches in simple, understandable terms, but they're profound. He goes on. 
Verse 26, and everyone who hears these words of mine and does not do them will be like a foolish man who built his house on the sand. And the rain fell and the floods came and the winds blew and beat against that house and it fell. And great was the fall of it. Notice what he says. It's a contrast. He says, I'm going to show you two different types of people. The first one is like the one who hears what I've said and does them. So he, he talks about two things, hearing and doing. The second one he says, hears but doesn't do. The first one hears and does. The second one hears but doesn't do. He says there's this grave difference in the end result of all of their lives and is shown throughout their life. Notice how inclusive this, this is. Everyone then who hears these words of mine and does them will be like a wise man. So the wise man hears what Jesus says and shows that he understands it by how he goes about living his life. Now, the example Jesus gives here is the building of a house, a very simple understanding example. He says, those who hear my words of wisdom and then go about building their house based on that show that they are wise. And the end result of their life will show that as well. He says, because they've heard, and this is how they built. They built according to what they heard. They built their house upon a rock. Of course, in this story, a house is a picture of our lives. All of our lives. And what we do and how we invest in that life. And he says, when that life is invested and based on the truth of Jesus, that life is solid and will withstand. Notice what it withstands. And I want you to also notice that the same thing happens to test and to try both of these structures. He says in verse 25, the rain fell and the floods came and the winds blew and beat on that house. Verse 27, the rain fell, the, the floods came, and the winds blew and beat against that house. So the same events happened to both. One listened to what Jesus said, showed it by not just shaking the head and saying yes and saying amen, but when they came to build the house, they started it and built it and continued it on the right foundation. Of course, that foundation is a picture of Jesus Christ himself. See, what's pictured in Proverbs is not just wise sayings picked from here and there, but it's saying every life that's built on Jesus himself will stand. It is wise and will stand. Every life not built on Jesus is not wise and will not stand. Let's say this then and apply that to believers. Everything that we do as believers that is built on the Lord Jesus Christ will stand. Everything we do as believers that's not built on Christ 
is useless in eternity and will not stand. I know sometimes people look at me funny when I say things like, you need to be at Sunday school. And they think, oh, that's for kids. And some think, well, pastor, I know the word of God already. And I want to look at them and say, don't you think I do? That's why I'm here. That's why I'm here, because I know it, I believe it, and I want to live it. Don't you? That ain't important. That ain't significant. Now, they won't say that to me, but I know the heart's cry comes from there. I don't need that. I ain't going to listen to what you say. That ain't all that important. Is it? Will we take God's words and live and build our lives? In other words, what's more important than you learning God's word, teaching God's word, and living God's word? I don't know. I can't think of nothing more important than that. I really can't. And so this is like the wise man hearing and said, I've chosen to base Everything I do on the Lord Jesus Christ, I recognize. See, one, one person says, yeah, I know everything built on Christ will stand. Everything not on Christ will fall. But, but, but what? How can you go from that statement and do anything else and think it not be foolish? So Jesus says, look, those who listen, Listen to what I say and do and build their lives on that are wise. And those who do otherwise are not. Notice something else that, that's in this story. He doesn't describe the house itself. He describes the foundation that the house is built on. He says one is built on a rock and one is built on sand. You know why he doesn't go through the trouble in this story of describing the house itself? Because it is of virtual little importance, especially if it's not built on the foundation of a rock. What he's saying is, the foolish and those in this world tend to look at the house of what they can see and get all excited about that and fail to look at the structure and the foundation which is on. My wife is a realtor, so she buys, she helps people buy and sell homes. And you know how it's easy, you get excited about this brand new house and you go and you look at it. But part of the process of a wise house purchaser is to pay to have an inspection done. Because your eyes might not see something that a skilled professional is, 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 is paid to look for. And so he's not always looking at the nice paint color that's on the wall of whether it's attractive to you or not because that is of little importance. He's not even looking at how the house is staged. 
beautiful furniture and set up and you know there's there's your cinnamon rolls cooking in the oven when you come through and it smells good and he's not so much concerned about that he begins to look at some basic things and he's thorough when he looked at but all that he's looking at is basically is this a sound investment based on a sound foundation and so in our lives we often get tied up in the stuff that is not important at all if it's not based on the right foundation and even if it is based on the right foundation is of little significance itself we build on Christ it's about the Lord Jesus Christ John the Baptist said this John 3 I think it's verse 30 I must decrease but he must increase he says my life has to be less about me and more about the Lord Jesus Christ that's the path of wisdom. Are you so caught up in building your own life that you don't have time to go to church? You don't have time to go to Sunday school? You don't have time for the things of God? You don't have time? Outside of Sunday, you, you do very little to stay on the path or to, 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 to walk with the Lord. Then you are steering in the wrong direction. You don't have to stay in that direction. But you need to know you're steering in the wrong direction. The Word of God gives you warning. Keep a marker in, John, in Matthew 7. I'm going to come back to that. And now I want to take you to John 14. John 14, verse 15. I'm going to look at 14, 15, and then I'm going to look at 15, 14. 14, 15 says this, If you love me, you will keep my commandments if you love me you will keep my commandments a very simple thought there isn't it Jesus says to his disciples if you love me you will keep my commandments now notice what he doesn't say not because it's not true but because it is it is not the main thing he says if you he doesn't say if you love me you'll study my commandments he says, if you love me, you'll keep my commandments. Now, that doesn't mean studying is not important, but the purpose of studying is to do, is to keep. And so if you study and don't keep, now that is indeed foolish. So he says, if you love me, you will keep my commandments. In John 15, 14, he says, you are my friends if you do what I command you. Can I give a warning? That's something only Jesus is saying. <laughs> if you got a friend that say you can't be my friend if you don't do what I say, uh, you you you've got a, a very uh, uh, conceited type friend. But if it's Jesus, there's no one higher than him. It's all commands come and start with him and end with him. Actually, he says this is key to relationship with me. Notice what he said. This is key to relationship with me. Doing what I say. This is key. Not singing a beautiful song. 
not preaching a great sermon, not looking good on Sunday, doing what I say. This is key to relationship with me. You are my friends if you do what I command you. You have a relationship with me if, in fact, you keep my word, he says. And then another passage in John 13, verse 17. John 13, 17. If you know these things, blessed are you. What? If you do them. He didn't say if you know these things, we'll give you a degree with your name on it and, and hold you in high esteem. Because you know. No. If you know these things, you'll be blessed if you do them. The knowing is related, yes, to the doing, but it is the path of it. it. It is what gets us to doing. It's not the end itself. We know so that we might do. And I say that over and over and over again because in a church like that, like this, it's, it's so very important. We emphasize learning God's word, and so we should. But it can't stop there. It has to go on into our lives. When you stand before God, he's not going to give you credit for sitting every Sunday at Sweet Communion where you heard the true word of God unless you did it. Unless you followed it. Do I understand that this is a special place to be? Yes. I understand that not every place open on Sunday actually teaches the proper word of God. I understand that. But understand this, being here in itself is not good enough. You've got to begin to practice and to do what God's word says. So again, the emphasis is that Jesus is in his own words is the same as Proverbs, the same as James. Be ye doers of the word and not hearers only. Let's go back now to Matthew 7 and see how that's illustrated again for us. Before we read Matthew 7, 24 through 27, I want to skip a little earlier and look at Matthew 7, verse 21. And we're looking at the same thing. We want to look at the relationship between hearing and doing. Matthew 7, verse 21. Not everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord, will enter the kingdom of heaven, but the one who does the will of my Father who is in heaven. On that day, many will say to me, Lord, Lord, did we not prophesy in your name and cast out demons in your name and do many mighty works in your name? And Then will I declare to them, I never knew you. Depart from me, you workers of lawlessness. Here, the relationship between <clears throat> not knowing and doing, but the relationship between saying and doing, but basically the same thing. He says, not everyone who says they know me knows me. And in fact, I think what he's actually challenging here is the relationship between not just 
knowing and doing, but saying and doing, but the relationship actually of knowing, the relationship of, 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 of having a real, true, genuine relationship with the Lord Jesus Christ. What does it mean to know Christ? We use a lot of different terms, and I think they're helpful because they help us examine how, 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 how deep this concept is. We say, do you trust Christ? Some people just say, well, do you know Christ as your Lord and Savior? Well, that's important that, that you know him, but some misunderstand that to mean know of him. I know that Jesus existed. There was a man 2,000 years ago who lived, and his name was Jesus that doesn't make you right with God. So some people acknowledge the existence. Some people even acknowledge the truth of what the Bible says. I believe what the Bible says is true. Well, a lot of people can do that and still not know God, still not have a what we call a saving relationship with God, know him and be related to him in a way that when you stand before him in heaven and he asks you, why should I let you into heaven? You have a right answer to give to him that he will accept. So what is this relationship this right relationship. He says, be careful of those who say. They profess. They speak with their mouth a certain thing, but their action shows something else. Read it again, verse 21. He says, not everyone who says, I want to highlight, underline, put it in bold, it tells us, says. Not everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord. In other words, not everyone who speaks in right terms and sounds good will enter the kingdom of heaven. But the one who does the will of my Father, he contrasts those who say one thing and with those who actually do something. And what is the something that they do? They do the will of God. explains verse 22 on that day he's talking about that day of judgment many will say to me Lord Lord now notice he uses that term Lord Lord they they, they speak about Jesus as if they know him and they refer to him respectfully and they re refer to him with reverence they refer to him uh, 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 with uh, one as one with authority, Lord, Lord. He says, but wait a minute. On that day, many will say, he says, a lot of people are going to say things like that. What do they say? Did we not prophesy in your name and cast out demons in your name and do mighty works in your name? Now he's contrasting not just what they say, but things that they do that don't line up with one having a real relationship. It looks like it, but it doesn't line up. He says, what, what do they do? He says, we prophesied in your name. We cast out demons in your name. We did mighty works in your name. 
verse 23, then will I declare to them, I never knew you. I never knew you. Now, some people don't understand that. Why would Jesus say he never knew? Doesn't Jesus know? Doesn't he understand? Doesn't he, in fact, have a consciousness of? Isn't he all-knowing, in fact, and aware of everything? He's not saying, I'm not aware that you exist. I don't know your name. I don't remember you. He's not saying any of that. What he's saying is, I never had a true relationship with you. I never knew you. Then he says something that's very clear. I will declare to them, I never knew you depart from me, you workers of lawlessness. These then are those who say and do, but what they say doesn't line up in how they actually live, where they've established a relationship with the Lord Jesus Christ. How is then that established? There's something happens that when the Holy Spirit begins to work in our lives and bring us under conviction of sin, and we're burdened by that. We're humbled by that. But there's something else that happens is it brings us, the Holy Spirit brings us to repentance. Repentance is a thing that God produces and that only God can produce. What do I mean by repentance? Repentance, in a simple way, means a turning away from sin and a turning to God. A turning away from sin and a turning to God. And so when God speaks and breaks through to that human heart and, and, and brings them to understand what he has done for them and their sin, he also brings them to turn away from that sin and turn to God. And I say that in, in a past tense is that we've turned from our sin and we've turned to God, but there's also a sense of a present tense to that, is that we are turning away from our sin and we are turning to God. It's, it's, it's not something that we did once and no longer do. It's something that we did and, 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 and something that we continue to do. We are repenters. We, we, in fact, doesn't this describe what, what Proverbs says is that we acknowledge that our trust is in God, our lives belong to God. And so when we see that we don't line up in one way with what is righteous, with what is, is true, with, with, with what is wise, we turn from that. <coughs> and we turn to God. That's why we take in God's word all the time. It's because we want to continue in that walk. We want to continue in that path. That simply is the pattern of those who are born again. It's what God does in the heart, those who he builds relationship with. It doesn't just change our speech. It changes our heart and therefore what we actually do. My conviction 
in Proverbs is, Lord, you have shown me the truth. Help me to set my life on it day by day. Help me not to depart from it day by day. You know, there, there's just a part of, 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 of having flesh that, 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 that just pains you when you see truth and then you see that you don't always line up with it. When you see that the pattern of your life is not as consistent as it should be. And, and each of us see that or we should be seeing that. And so we ought to continually strive to, to please God. Strive to do what is right. And in fact, the, the testimony is, is, is one, and I want to turn to 1 Corinthians chapter 9. 1 Corinthians chapter 9. It's interesting that, that Proverbs tradition would tell us that it was Solomon who, who wrote and collected some parts he wrote himself and other parts he collected, but I believe it was Solomon who wrote that. And we see in his life that he wasn't a perfect person. He had a lot of issues. And he struggled to put into practice the things that, that God's word said and were true. Thank you, brother. And so if he struggled, we recognize that we struggle too. Now, we don't say that to give license to ourselves. What I mean by that, we don't say that to stay in a state of struggling. Like, man, don't bother me. I'm struggling. <laughs> what well, the problem is, if you're struggling, you don't mind a little help. And you're welcome to help because you want to, you want to strive for that which is right. So some people say they're struggling and they ain't really struggling. They gave up the struggle. But what we want to do is to strive and to, 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 to go towards those things that God's word says. This relationship that we have with God because of the Lord Jesus Christ causes us to adore, worship, and love Jesus because he stood before God for us in a way that we couldn't possibly stand. We are covered and drenched in our sin, and because of that, God could not accept us. He could not excuse us. He could only judge us. But what he decided to do in his grace and his love is to put our judgment on the Lord Jesus Christ. And Jesus accepted that judgment. He took it on himself. He took on our sin and took God's judgment for our sin so that as we trust in him, we are forgiven of the sin because it's already paid for by the Lord Jesus Christ. And so when we are trusting in Christ, we are worshiping him. Notice the present ongoing tense of that. We not just have worshiped him, but we are worshiping him. We are thankful to him and thanking him and living for him because we recognize that 
Our life belongs to him. He gave his life so that I would be free from my sin and in him and free to do what he has called me to do. And so I strive to walk with Christ. Paul says this in, in 1 Corinthians 9, verse 24. Do you not know that in a race all the runners run, but only one receives a prize? So run that you may obtain it. He's saying you're in a, a, a race, and you need to keep running and not give up so that you can get the prize. And he says, every athlete exercises self-control in all things. They do it to receive a perishable wreath but we an imperishable. He has in mind the Olympics, and the, the Olympic winner would, would be crowned with a wreath around his neck. And he says that's the goal that they have, they look forward to as they strive in the race, and they win. When they win, that's what they win. That's the goal that they have. But he says our goal is way bigger and much more important than that. We're not looking for just a wreath or a medal. He says... We're looking for life, eternal life. He says, they do it to receive a perishable wreath, but we an imperishable. Now, let's make it clear, we, we're not trying to gain eternal life in our own effort. That's not what it's saying. Jesus Christ alone in his death on the cross has purchased for us eternal life. But because of what he has done, he has given to us the ability and the will to live for him and to pursue, uh, 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 to live a life in obedience to him because of what he's done. It's a new desire that he's given us. So he says this, verse 26, so I do not run aimlessly. And running here really is living our lives. I don't live my life aimlessly. I have a purpose now. I'm, I'm kind of that kind of person. I'm a, I'm a goal-oriented person, and, and uh, I have to have a goal in mind to, 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 to be disciplined. And a goal really helps me, and, and I understand that about myself, and I'm driven by that. So um, when I don't have a goal, I tend to, to, to just wander aimlessly. Okay, so whether that goal is for a year or whether that goal is for a month or that goal is for the day, what you doing today? Oh, I don't know. That's what I call wandering aimlessly. You want to do this? Oh, I don't know. I don't feel like doing that. Oh, yeah, I guess I ain't doing nothing else. It's like you, you really got no purpose, so you just game for anything or game for nothing. What's your game? What, 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 what's your aim? And what are you headed towards? He says, so I do not run aimlessly. I do not box as one beating the air. He says, I, I don't want to just go through something just to be going through it if there's nothing to it. I'm not going to put myself through that, he's saying. But here's what he says. But I discipline my body and keep it under control. He says, this thing of living for Christ, 
remember we talked about what is real wisdom. It's not just knowing something, but it's actually living and doing what God says. He says, I, 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 I exercise in my own life self-discipline. I discipline my body and keep it under control, lest after preaching to others, I myself should be disqualified. He says, I've recognized that I need to discipline myself and I also need to live true to what God's word says because that's what God has given me, to be disciplined and, and what he's also given me to be an example to others. I have preached to others, and I can't afford, God forbid, that I be disqualified or be a hypocrite in what I'm preaching. So that's what Proverbs is to me. It's a restatement of what it means to walk with Christ, and it should be renewing our desire to strive for discipline in those areas in our lives so that we might honor Christ in what we do. It's true that Christ has won for us the victory, but it's also true that if we believe in Christ, our lives will show that in how we live and how we obey him. Remember Jesus said, you are my friends if you do whatever I command you. You show your relationship with me by your steadfast observance, your obedience to what I've said. My prayer is that God will light your desire. He will ignite your desire to walk with him, to be obedient to the Lord Jesus Christ. And as he shows you those things, as he does in Proverbs and all of his word, that you will, you will take it on. You will grasp it. You will desire to walk in that. You won't throw it away. You won't let it go in one ear and out of the other. You'll be reminded you have a responsibility before God. You have a responsibility before others who watch you, who see you, that you are an example before. And that will, that will motivate you in your walk to be obedient to the Lord Jesus Christ. It motivates me, and yet I recognize that there, I have a long way to go and that I have a daily struggle and what's important is, is, is not that I have that struggle, but that in that struggle, I choose to win. And I choose to, to honor Christ in that. And I not give up or not take it, as, take it lightly that I need to pursue Christ, that I need to walk with him, that I need to be obedient to him, that I need to be disciplined in my life. Father, we thank you for your challenge to us today. We thank you for showing us what it means to have real relationship with Jesus Christ. Really to be trusting in him means to be walking in obedience. And in that walk, there is that daily striving, a dissatisfaction, in essence, with where we are, a satisfaction with what you have gained for us, but a desire to walk in obedience to you, to please you, to honor you. So I pray, Lord, that you'd ignite that in us today. There may be someone here today that doesn't, hasn't trusted in Christ. Maybe they thought they have. Maybe they have said words and recognize that their real life doesn't show it. I pray, Lord, that they would 
not only be humble before you and acknowledge your truth, but that they repent. Acknowledge their sin and then turn from it and turn to the Lord Jesus Christ. I pray that they recognize that as they repent that it's a continual action that you're calling them to do. And those who are believers are called to that continual action too, to continue repenting, turning from sin and turning to you. Trusting you and trusting you in, in all areas of our lives. If we are challenged to do that, you open our eyes to one area, we'd give in to that and trust you in that area and not give up. Encourage your people, motivate your people to put their eyes on the Lord Jesus Christ and to walk with him and to trust in him. In Jesus' name we pray.